0: Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about prime time matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme?
1: Insider Radio, part of the and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Canada, joined by co-hosts Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to FinSider Radio. This is Matt Kanata, joined by Joshua Houts and Aaron Sutton. And the NFL Draft, when you're listening to this, whether Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, or Thursday evening, or if you have the unfortunate honor of listening to this after the first round, you can make fun of how wrong we all were. As we go through the show, but the NFL draft is almost here. We've almost made it to this part of the year, and uh, the excitement is growing. These smoke screens are flying out of every hole possible, and we don't know what to believe and what every hole possible.
2: Yeah, did you just say that? Okay, you must you must be coming down from your (laughs) watching draft day high. Or something, you got like you got like channeled your inner (laughs) Kevin Costner or something. All right, let's
3: talk about draft day
1: because I'm the only one that I I didn't see that movie. I actually just
3: I actually forgot that
1: I just watched it. Um, that's how great it was. So (laughs) (laughs) every, every year, the day before the NFL draft, since draft day has come out, I have watched draft day the night before the NFL draft. So tonight, I gathered my family around the TV, my wife made cinnamon buns. Um, we all sat on the sofa. We watched the movie draft day, the entire thing. My kids watched about 20 minutes of it before they got annoyed and bored and just caused all kinds of ruckus throughout the movie. My wife was actually into it. She, uh at one point she had to go back a scene because the kids were too loud and she wanted to hear what was going on. She was asking questions. Um, You know, she brought up some good points. She said, don't, um, isn't it better for teams not to have a first round pick because they save money? And uh, technically she's correct, but I had to explain that you hit your best players in the first round usually, and you need your first round picks. She also asked, uh, what happens when you trade away your future first round picks? Because as we know, Sonny Weaver traded away three first round picks (laughs) and she was very surprised that you could do that. And also very surprised that you don't pick at all in that round in future years. And then when they traded away their second-round (laughs) pick later in the movie, uh, she was even more surprised and started uh, yelling at Sonny and thought he was a bad general manager. And then it kind of all played out where they got their picks back and got their running back and their linebacker and everything else. Um, So she was very interested. Uh, At one point, she asked if this was real, um, if this really happened in real life, and I had to explain to her, no, it was a fictional movie. Uh, at one point she also asked, um, she said, so does the worst team in the NFL get the number one pick? And I said, yes. And I said that the Cardinals have that this year. And she asked if we knew who they were picking. And I said, well, everyone thinks they're picking Kyler Murray, but nobody knows for sure. And then she was very surprised that the Cardinals had the first pick. Um, because she wanted to know where the dolphins were picking. And I said, 13, she said, I'm lying. She goes, they were a lot worse than the 13th spot in the draft. Uh, they should be picking first overall. Uh, so I had to explain to her that you know thirteen's still pretty bad, and they they squeaked out a few wins that they shouldn't have. Matthew, let
2: me let, let me ask you this, Matthew. Yeah. Let me ask you this: if you told Chrissy that the Arizona Cardinals just spent a top ten pick on a quarterback, and we were hearing that they were going to draft another quarterback, what would she say?
1: Um, I don't know. I almost brought that up to her, but i i think I didn't want to overload her brain yeah, when you, i mean you seeing,
2: rec- seeing all those, the all that wheeling and dealing and draft they probably overwhelmed her,
1: yeah, because she was um she was looking at Brian drew who the who brown's current quarterback was in the movie and she wanted to know why they could still draft another quarterback and why would they draft another quarterback all right, and look, then let me you know, just I I, I almost said it. it's like Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen, but I didn't get into that.
3: Look here, I've never seen Draft Day, and you just spoiled that entire damn movie for me. Well, what's up? <laughs> like, I don't even have to watch it. And secondly, could you please put the the Frozen song "Let It Go" behind Sutton when he's talking about the Cardinals drafting Kyler Murray? Because he's,
1: <laughs> I, I he's still real pen out of shape about it. that.
3: I can't. Why? What happened? He's been talking. What do you mean? He's been talking about it for the last like six months it about just how makes ridiculous no it is. <laughs> you get so pissed about it, but again, I mean, you just ruined the entire movie for me. I've been excited to watch this. I, I mean, it's like someone ruined John Wick for me and told me that his dog died. I'm like, what the hell, dude? I, like, I it's never watched like, the movie. You it's just ruined like the
1: whole- In our uh, Twitter DM that we have with the group there, when uh, Topher s- tried to spoil the Game of Thrones, and I, I said, I have not watched the Game of Thrones. Yet. You cannot spoil it. You deserved that though. I need to understand what's happening. I still have not watched the game of thrones and I will not watch the game of thrones, but,
3: but, but, but you will watch America's got talent. It
2: so you started. won't watch game of thrones, but we're not allowed to talk about spoilers. of game of thrones.
3: Correct. Okay. Um, but I, I do want to watch draft day and you just ruined the whole damn movie. for
2: Uh, me. no, I'm not, go- <laughs> I'm not
1: going to hate on game of thrones anymore because I got ratioed to hell that night where I said something about it and uh, the Game of Thrones fans just came at me super hard, and I've learned my lesson. Game of Thrones is a fantastic movie. You are It's a great, great thing to watch, and everyone should watch it, and that's just that.
2: <laughs> You're such a kiss-ass. Let's talk some football.
1: All right, let's talk some football. So uh, nothing new in Dolphins' lands, right? No talk about quarterbacks. No talk about Daniel Jones. No talk about Dwayne Haskins. What do y'all make of the latest report from ESPN where Tom Pellicero and it wasn't Tom Pellicero. He works for NFL Network. Who was it? I don't know. It may have been Tom. Uh, Pellicero. Yeah, uh, yeah
2: that, that's the name. I don't know. It what. was Tom. It was Tom yeah, I'm
1: getting all mixed up here. All right. Tom Pellicero was told by supposedly a source that the Dolphins have interest in Dwayne Haskins and Daniel Jones. Do we believe
3: that boys? I'll be the first one to say it. I mean, last year he kind of came out, and I think it was the exact same, you know, background. It was the exact same shot of Tom Pelicero down there in Miami saying, you know, the Dolphins could have interest in this guy or this guy. We know last year they like Mayfield. Reports are like Josh Allen. Do I think they like Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins? It's possible, but the team doesn't have a quarterback. And until they find one, they're going to be linked to every available quarterback possible.
2: And being interested in somebody is in this context not really that descriptive i mean we pick in the middle of the first round so isn't it prudent for us to be interested in a lot of different people i mean it's we have to prepare for a lot of different situations and contingencies. So you have to like a lot of different players. Obviously, I think we'd like to trade down. And if we want to trade down, that means we have to like even more players to see who's going to fall down to us. So to say that we're interested in somebody at 13, wow. Oh, my gosh.
1: It's it's smoke from what I gather. Um, I've said it before. It is very hard for me to get information anymore from Miami. I'm sure that will probably – Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but usually these kind of things happen when a new coach comes in, everyone's on their toes and just kind of trying to figure out the lay of the land and see what they can get away with and what they can't get away with. We saw it with Adam Gase as well. Uh, information was tight in his first year and his first few months. And then as he gained more control with the new organization, the leaks opened up a little bit. Uh, so the information is very hard to come out, uh, come through with Miami right now. And I've said this before. So for me, you know, when, And not just me, it's other people I've talked to as well. Other big fish in the game that are much bigger than I am have publicly stated that it's harder to get information out of Miami this year. So for all of a sudden, for them to be able to keep all this information under wraps for so long, all of a sudden, 24 hours before the draft, less than 24 hours before the draft, when the only people that know what the draft board is and the only people that know what the final plan is, is Chris Greer, Brian Flores probably Tom Garfinkel and Steven Ross, the owner, all of a sudden leaks are coming out. That just doesn't add up for me. Instead, it seems like well-placed and well-planted leaks, purposely, that are giving uh, this information out to these reporters to make other teams like the uh, Giants trade up in front of them to get the quarterback they covet because then they may feel like Miami might get that as well. And it's interesting that all of a sudden – You know, they had Dwayne Haskins at the top of their list, right, for quarterbacks the past two weeks or so, right? Um, And then as reports came out that the Giants really liked Daniel Jones better and Dwayne Haskins might get picked in the top ten by Washington, all of a sudden the Dolphins now have interest in Daniel Jones. And we know that's who the Giants like as well. So it's just interesting to me how that kind of plays out. I'm not buying it at all which means the Dolphins will drop the quarterback on Thursday night. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm not buying any of this. All signs are pointing to a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman. I called my shot earlier on Wednesday saying that I believe the pick is going to be Christian Wilkins, a defensive tackle over Clemson. It all just makes too much sense with him. But I'm not buying any of this quarterback talk. Their original plan was to drop the quarterback on day two. I still firmly believe that is their plan moving forward.
3: For me, I think you're completely right. I, I would be very – I mean, I'd be sick. I think a lot of people would if they went after Daniel Jones. I mean, his pro comparison is literally the guy you just wasted seven years on. Obviously, he's better in some areas than Tannehill might be and vice versa. For me, if Dwayne Haskins falls to 13, you got to pull the trigger. I mean, defensive line, offensive line, those are huge needs. You know, They need to build the secondary up, move into a dime defense. Uh, but at the end of the day, if a guy like Dwayne Haskins, who I think is the second-best quarterback in this draft, for some reason, you know, he slips past the Giants and the Redskins. You know, they trade up and get Daniel Jones or whatever they might be targeting. He passes Denver, Cincinnati would be a hurdle there, but I mean, if Dwayne Haskins falls into your lap at thirteen, I think he has all the skills. One year starter, completely obliterated the entire Big Ten. You know, he, he went there to Michigan. Stephen Ross again was there. I have to, I have to make sure to emphasize that Stephen Ross was in attendance when Dwayne Haskins threw six touchdowns against the number one defense in the country. So, I mean, he has the skills. Everyone's talk about a one year starter, but what Dwayne Haskins did at Ohio state is something that you've not seen from an Ohio state quarterback. And everyone wants to say, you know, this guy might not translate to the NFL game. I, I don't see it. I think Dwayne Haskins is as good as it gets. I do like 2020s class, but if Haskins falls to you, even if he doesn't and he, you think he's the guy and you move up for him, I'll be okay with that. But I think you both are right. I think ultimately you trade down, you solidify both sides of the defense and offensive line. I'm still I'm still in the boat where you need to get Josh Rosen. You know, if the, if these other teams go up there and get a quarterback, you trade down. You can get a Jeffrey Simmons or, you know, a Cleveland Farrell or whatever it may be, an offensive lineman in round two, and then move that pick that you trade down for, whether it be a second, an additional third, whatever it may be for Josh Rosen, that is that is the the absolute greatest start to a draft I could ever imagine. So you would take Dwayne Haskins at thirteen. If Dwayne Haskins is there, which I'm going to be on record to say there's no chance he's going to be there at 13, I would run to the podium. He'll probably slip to like 25. Yeah, I'd I'd run to the podium for Dwayne Haskins.
2: Yeah, I don't see him falling down. Yeah, I don't see him falling down to 13 either. I. I kind of see this shaking out like the 2017 class in terms of where people are selected. You'll see someone go early like Trubisky did. So you'll see Kyler Murray go number one. But then you're going to have Dwayne Haskins and Drew Locke in some fashion, I think, go before the Denver pick. I think Denver takes either one of them and someone before them takes one of the other guys. So I, I think there's three guys that go in the top 10 this year in some way or fashion. I, I, th- I think I might as well stick to my guns and stick with Cleveland Farrell from from Clemson who I think can, can play multiple roles on the defensive line and stick with a Clemson product who I think uh, has a, a larger share in, in a way that the Clemson defensive line was so uh, violent and aggressive and making plays all the time. I, I noticed Farrell more than some of the other guys, although that they, you know, they work so well together. The Clemson connection with Marion Hobby being the defensive line coach, and you just can't ignore a new head coach coming in and having a toy to play with on that side of the ball. I really suspect that it's going to be a defensive investment. So I'm I'm actually going to rule out offensive line. In my opinion, I don't think we take offensive line at 13.
1: What I will tell you at 13 for offensive line at Jonah Williams or Jawan Taylor are there at 13. They will be in play uh, for that selection there, whether or not. I mean, it all depends on what the board looks like, right? I mean, we could sit here and right. say the Dolphins want to do this, this, and this. And what we've been hearing from the limited information we can get is this and this. but. It all depends on how the board is shaken out. We don't know how that's going to be until the draft actually happens.
2: Yeah. And I'll admit my bias that I believe that Taylor and Williams will be gone by 13. So it's going to be, I think so. Yeah. uh, It's going to be an easier decision for us to make. So I think we're going to be staring at either a defensive end or a corner, actually. And uh, so I I think Cleveland Farrell makes the most sense from my standpoint in terms of what I think the program we're trying to build is.
3: And and let's just let me just ask this real quick. You know, you look at this draft class, offensive line, defensive line talent. Which do you think is more? Uh, is there more depth at the positions? Because for me, I think defensive line. This is you know one of the better drafts that I've seen in recent memory. Sure, the offensive line has some studs there in the second and third round, but it just seems like the defensive line talent overall is just light years ahead.
2: I totally get that, but then I can't even rule out that we shouldn't double down a defensive end. And why not? take advantage of the top end talent and take advantage of the depth. So I I guess
1: a lot of depth, you, yes, yeah. Yeah, you have
2: to look at the board kind of horizontally at that point and see if, you know, the defensive end that you have is, you know, a, a higher ranked prospect than than the offensive lineman that you're looking at because if you're looking at it horizontally, then you got to go with the defensive end because you can conceivably take a defensive end right after that in round two or round three.
1: I think my dream scenario is the Dolphins pick who they pick in round one, try to trade back and still get their guy and pick up like an extra second round or a third on pick this year. And then trade that extra pick or whatever it might be for Josh Rosen. I am, I am high on Josh Rosen. I don't buy the talk that he's a bust. He had a very terrible year. In Arizona, he had coaches that were setting him up to fail. People talk about his personality, but, I mean, how do you know someone's personality when you're not around them throughout the day? That's just crazy talk to me. Well,
2: but and the, the general nobody, manager Hold, on, that hold just, on. Okay. Yeah, hold
1: on. Nobody wrote off Jared Goff after one – or people wrote off Jared Goff after one year, and look what he turned into with the right coach in the right system. I'm done.
2: I was just going to say the general manager that drafted Josh Rosen would I would think would have some type of insight into his personality before investing a top tenor and this is not a passive aggressive way of revisiting the Kyler Murray discussion I'm just saying like if you knew that he was, you know, whatever the personality trait is, if you knew this beforehand, why was there an investment in the first place? So why'd you trade up for him? Right? Yeah. So I think you'd have to check the boxes. If you do that,
1: unless it was the owner saying, you need to go get a quarterback and this is what you're doing. And now this is their chance Uh, to make up for it. You know, Yeah, that's
2: possible. I hadn't thought
1: of that. It's always possible with the owner. And we, we've seen it with the Redskins. Now with Dan Snyder supposedly taking over the draft and that has to be very frustrating. And, um, it's happening because on Wednesday, the Wednesday before the draft or the Tuesday night before the draft, the general managers and whoever else uh, puts together the draft plan presents the plan to the owner. So obviously when it was presented to Dan Snyder, he was not happy with it at all, which is why the report came out that he's taken over the draft. And I wouldn't be surprised if that report was leaked by the general manager or someone else in the Redskins organization who has been involved in the draft prep to get away from the situation, to distance themselves from whatever happens on Thursday and Friday because it sounds like Dan Slanders is going to go bonkers and trade up into the top five and pick a quarterback. Supposedly it's Wayne Haskins. We've also heard Daniel Jones. We don't know what we'll, we may find out on Thursday evening, but the draft is absolutely insane and bonkers. Who knows what's going to happen?
2: I mean, honestly, if we could look at the draft, the results of it right now, we would think it's absurd. Yeah. What's going to happen. I mean, who would have thought that in 2017 the bears would would trade up one spot like three picks that Get trubisky i mean no one thought that so that sends kind of a a butterfly effect to the rest of of how things go and then who would have thought that Tunsil would have fell to us at 13 and so on and so forth. I mean, there's just so much evidence of how screwy the draft is. I honestly don't know why anybody draws anything with much conviction at all. I mean, it's okay to like players and uh, think that certain players are going to fit in a certain team and as good scheme fit and all that kind of stuff. But honestly, you can't, you can't bank on any anything happening from it's the draft. A- so just, just enjoy it. I mean, just enjoy being a little speck in a big pond
3: the the draft i mean you you touched on i mean it's complete crap shoot and it's nice to see you know we can all sit here and make a mock draft people can do 10 or 12 mock drafts all draft season long and hit on three or four picks because nobody realistically knows other than those that core group of people in that in that war room know who they're targeting so you know the dolphins may be higher on this guy than another team no one even You know, Patrick Mahomes was kind of an unknown in that draft class. You mentioned 2017, and then the Chiefs traded up, and now they got what? Maybe the greatest quarterback in the history of the universe. I mean, it's just crazy to think of how things are. It's crazy to look back and say, you know what? What if this team did this? What if they went with this player? But just to touch real quick on Josh Rosen, you mentioned his attitude issues, Kanata. That is something that people love to point at but have no You know they have they have nothing to show that he has these attitude problems. I think that Cardinals. I think an article came out last year that he was a great teammate and his teammates loved him. So so where is this attitude problem? Uh, You know I just don't see it. I don't understand why a team who has not had a quarterback since Dan Marino would not give up uh, something as insignificant as a third round pick. And I know this draft class is loaded. I know all the draft classes are loaded. But this guy was a tenth overall pick last year, and you could give up a third. Allegedly to get him. If you go up a second, whatever. But three years, $7 million, 22 year old, two years old. What what is the harm in that? You can keep pointing to his personality issues, but I, I just don't think there's enough there. Five offense coordinators in four years. The guy's been given the short end of the stick. Everyone wanted to sit here and, and ride Tannehill till his knees turn to dust, but no one wants to give Josh Rosen the time of day. It makes no sense. But again, draft, complete crap shoot. Gotta love it. All the weeks leading up to this, you know, we sat here, we we gave our opinions, we watched tape, we we got excited about this player or that. In what, 72 hours? This is all going to be gone. And we're going to be seeing what the 2019 Miami Dolphins are all about. And for that, the Brian Flores era, you got to feel some kind of excitement towards that. And you just got to hope that Chris Greer and these guys learned from their lessons in the past and are ready to build a winner in Miami because I'm sick and freaking tired <laughs> of going six and ten or seven and nine. It is time to get to the playoffs, win some games, and bring us the Super Bowl because we're not getting any younger. The three of us you know, we're, we're going to be soil in the ground eventually. So let's just win a freaking playoff game. Is it that hard?
2: I'm ready to run through a wall right now. Yeah, you got me pumped up.
3: I'm, I'm sorry. Some muscle relaxers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, is that how
2: you threw your back out was giving that pep speech, like practicing you that gonna, before yeah, a show you or something? Adeline
3: I, I think they they broke the news that the Dolphins had interest in Daniel Jones and I just started swinging that shit
2: <laughs> your your back automatically herniated its own disc
3: yeah it's like you're, you're done dude
1: <laughs> all right here's what I'm hearing with the Dolphins that was a great transition by the way right just a cold hard transition mm. but we ain't got time for cute transitions we got draft talk to talk about here's what I'm hearing as of 10:16 16 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday evening. I've heard that no interest in Brian Burns. I know I previously reported that there was. Uh, I think I got some bad info on that one. So no interest in Brian Burns. Rashawn Gary, yeah, that labrum tear, not good for his prospects to be on Miami's draft board anymore. Uh, they're not excited about it. Not looking likely for them to make the pick on Rashawn Gary Montez sweat knocked down a few pegs, but still within their sights. Jeffrey Simmons still within their sights. Christian Wilkins very much in play along with guys like Ed Oliver, Jonah Williams, and Jawan Taylor. They'd love to trade down, but they got to have someone who wants to come back up. And I think if they trade down someone like the Redskins, the giants and the Texans could be possible trade partners. And they could still get a good player no matter where they land with any of those teams. So, You know, what happens? Let let
2: me throw one thing out about trading down. And everybody gets caught up in the draft value chart. And that's a static way of looking at it. It's it's a, a framework, but it's not the Bible, okay? So it's not... T- take this class, for instance, where we think there's depth later in, in the first round and early second round. That's, that's where it would be nice to have multiple picks in there. Th- those, those points, okay, quote-unquote, those points from the draft value chart would be higher in a year like this relative to a draft class that, say, they had 10 blue chippers, but the, then the depth dropped off. Okay, so points are relative to the draft class that we're in. Okay, so we can't get caught up in being shorted by 30 or 40 points on the draft value chart and just look at this in a vacuum. We have to look at this, how the 2019 draft class, how we have estimated where the value is, and then have we looked at 2020 and do we have any big picture ideas of where the value in that class is going to be? Okay. So those things all have to align. So if we happen to trade down and we get kind of screwed in terms of draft value points, don't get caught so caught up in that and thinking that we are automatically the loser in that trade. What we're doing is we're setting ourselves up uh, to, to get a coup in 2020 and uh, not to mention we lost the six rounder in the Tannehill trade this year. So we're going to look to, to get a draft pick somewhere in here, whether we trade in the first round or the second round, I think we're going to move down somewhere uh, because we're, we still kind of have a crisis of bodies here. So we're going to need to kind of bolster what we have right now
1: you make a good point about trade value and that chart is outdated. And a lot of general managers have said, they just go with their gut. They try to look at it as guidance, but they really just go with their gut and just try to make it fair for both sides. Now if the dolphins do that. Uh, I still think they're going to get a good player because Jonah, let's say Jonah Williams off the board. Most likely Jawan Taylor, probably at Oliver most likely, unless some kind of weird fall happens with him. Uh, but lots sweat, Jeffrey Simmons guys that will be there in the mid twenties, if they trade with the Texans, Guys that will be there if they trade down with the Giants. Christian Wilkins may not be there if they trade down. They may have to take him at 13 if they really want him. Cleveland Farrell, another one who would probably be down if they traded down a few spots. They can get their guy. They can get a good player even if they drop down to the low 20s. Montez Sweat and Jeffrey Simmons come to mind, especially Jeffrey Simmons. Um, I think that's a tremendous value there. Yes, he won't play this year, but if the Dolphins are truly tanking, it does not matter about this year anyways. Let him rest up. Let him heal up and let him get back on the field as a basically rookie and you're getting that freshness out of him and and getting that instant production that you hopefully would uh, be getting out of a guy who is a first round pick. So I think the Dolphins have a lot of options in their hands on Thursday night. Depends on how the board plays out and what's going to happen. Uh, You know, for you guys, what would you think is the ideal scenario for the Dolphins
3: on Thursday night? I mean, for me personally, it's kind of what I touched on earlier, you know, trade back get an elite defense or offensive line talent, and then you know ship a pick for Josh Rosen and whichever position you didn't address in round one, address in round two. You mentioned Jeffrey Simmons, and I've been leaning towards him over the last several days. I mean, a lot of people think that he'd be a top-five pick if he came out this year. We know he had some off-the-field issues before he made his way to college. Uh, you never want to see that from a player, especially what he allegedly did. But at the end of the day, Jeffrey Simmons would probably be a top-five pick if he was healthy, didn't have that ACL injury. The Dolphins, again, are looking to compete in 2020. So you're really not using anything by redshirting him. You saw Raquan McMillan, how much of a stud he could have been, and came back and played pretty well last season. So, I mean, for a team trying to build and get the best players possible, a guy like Jeffrey Simmons at 13 or ideally in a trade down is kind of the way I'm leaning. But again, if you can somehow trade down, accumulate more picks, you know, maybe towards 2020, maybe in this year's draft, fill those trenches, you need to get a corner but trade for Josh Rosen. That's my ideal situation.
2: Yeah. It's that the whole Simmons line of thinking is interesting, especially if you think the 2019 dolphins are kind of indirectly sabotaging itself. So if we take someone like Simmons, then we're just kind of further adding to the arsenal that we would have in 2020. I think ideally for me, we trade down maybe even multiple times if we possibly can. But, um, I, I think we're going to go – I have no idea. I have no idea what position we're going to go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's going to be defense somewhere, but I, I, that that's all I got. I mean, I, I just think we're going to play the board the best that we can. We're going to get the highest value that we possibly can, and Chris Greer is going to put his money where his mouth is and just uh, go with – the uh, community of knowledge that him and his scouting guys have accumulated, you know, that Flores, as soon as he got in there with his history in scouting, that there's going to be some streamlined processes there. So you like to think that all these guys working together, that they're going to have a pretty solid approach here, whatever that is, it's going to be fluid. I think there's no question about that. So because it's so fluid, it's really hard to predict what they're going to do, but, um, I I believe that they're going to play the board well.
3: And isn't that a breath of fresh air from what we've experienced in years past? You know, there have been leaks all throughout the Miami Dolphins front office. Uh, Just seems like they tightened things up. You know, you mentioned Brian Flores and his background in scouting. We know the rumors that he came into his interview with, I believe it was a binder with a, what, a nine-month plan in it. You can't tell me that that nine-month plan didn't have some, some names of prospects that caught his eye. I don't know which beat writer reported it yesterday, but they did say that Brian Flores would have some say in that, in the, in that draft room. But uh, I mean, I'm excited because every year, you know, or every few years, the coaching staff changes over the GM changes over. This is a fresh start. We finally plucked away some decent coaches. It seems from new England, from the evil empire. I'm excited to see what their first draft entails, but again, all of our eyes need to be set on 2020 because you know, if, if the Schefter report, you know, the, the report is it was Adam Gase that leaked this stuff that the Miami Dolphins we're going to fill the trenches this year and focus on a quarterback next year. It, it makes so much sense, but for a team who has struggled for so many years, doing things the right way is, is all you can ask for them. I'm excited because there's uncertainty there, like Sutton said, but you got to get the best players available, build things the right way from the inside out, and good things will come.
1: I think if we're looking at guys who can be picked at 13, I'm going to stick with my original pick of Christian Wilkins. Makes a ton of sense for Flores, like you said, how Flores is going to have some input on this pick, a lot of input on this pick. Him and Greer seem very closely aligned. Uh, Good chemistry, which is what you want in any type of company setting with you and your boss. And uh, Wilkins checks off every single box, every single box, and will help Flores instill the type of locker room culture that he's looking to instill. So don't be surprised if the Dolphins don't trade down from 13 if they don't get an offer that's good enough for them. Um, I, I do firmly believe that if Wilkins is on the board, barring, again, some kind of slide by someone like Ed Oliver, that Wilkins will be the pick on Thursday night.
2: I think he would be an outstanding pick. And watching his interview at the Combine and learning that he had multiple degrees before he left Clemson. And I think I saw a quote today that said that if he wasn't in the NFL, he might be the CEO of a a giant corporation. You know, he he's... Just a smart guy, can play football. You know, when you look at Cleland Farrell, he' stout football guy. I mean, just it seems like he just eats and breathes football. He's military parent, so uh, discipline there, but he's got the, a, a sense of humor about it. And he, he just, you really feel good about any Clemson defensive lineman that they could go with, maybe Dexter Lawrence a little bit later, just in terms of value. Because he's a nose tackle, but I mean, you, you look at any of those guys and feel pretty good. And, you know, and, and like I said earlier in the show, I'll stick with my guns and go with Cleveland Farrell at 13 if that's where we go. But if we trade down, then it's anybody's guess and we will play the board uh, fittingly.
1: Lots of talk about Kyler Murray. And number one, let's just jump off the Dolphins real quick. About general NFL drive before we wrap up the show. Kyler Murray to the Cardinals, you guys buying it? Yes or no?
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think so. It's funny because I just got a notification on my phone that Caesars, uh, he was negative uh, 2,800 at the start of last week. He's now down to 280. So the odds wow. of him going to Arizona is slowly starting to you know, come down, but it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out.
2: Mm.
3: Oh, actually, actually, it says it was 2,500 two days ago. It's now down to... Negative 280, so it's definitely wow. dropping. So, I mean, I, I know that Vegas, you know, sometimes they have a pretty good insight on those things, but I yeah. think Kyler Murray to Arizona is a lock. My next question, I'm going to throw it back to you two. Would you, if he does not go number one overall, would you move heaven and hell to get him?
1: If he gets past five, yes. I still think, but I don't think he'd get past Oakland. That's the thing. And San Francisco is going to want a King's ransom to jump out of two and skip out on getting Boza or Quinn and Williams. And the Dolphins won't do business with the Jets and the Jets won't do business with the Dolphins. And then you're looking at four at Oakland, and I think the Oakland Raiders would pounce on Murray in a heartbeat. They might even trade up to two if he gets past
3: him. And, and then we can start hearing how the Dolphins are going to trade for Derek Carr, right? That'll be the big thing on Twitter. That will be the big thing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Aren't you ready for it? Aren't you excited? yes forward to it. <laughs>
1: the one thing we know about the nfl draft is that we don't really know much at all and uh that's what it's the ultimate reality show and it's going to be fantastic i cannot wait and it's going to be one hell of a party one hell of a show one hell of a weekend for the dolphins and the other 32 teams in the nfl this is when people get very excited And very few people come out of drafts thinking that their team screwed it up, although it feels like in recent years the Dolphins may have felt that way as well. What are you guys going to eat and drink tomorrow night? So I asked my wife what we're having for dinner for the draft, and she just said, oh, I'm making chicken. She goes, it's not Blacklist Friday. It's not Friday. Blacklist is not. I'm going to eat. Obviously, (laughs) we still have some work to do with her.
3: I'm going to eat beer, and I'm going to drink beer. It's funny because I have a friend that (laughs) – they got me a beer. It was a Game of Thrones collaborative beer that one of the local breweries made. It's actually blue. It's a double IPA. I plan on drinking that during the Dolphins pick. I will post pictures. I uh, do
2: need to get some beer for it'll tomorrow. Be,
3: it'll be very hipsterish.
2: What kind of beer are you gonna get? You're gonna get some um, some Odules or some
3: pilsners.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm definitely
1: not getting Bud Light or anything like that. Okay, a there's a
2: start. What else?
1: I'm gonna get some IPAs.
3: Mike's mm-hmm. Hard Lemonade. Let's let's all just drink Mike's Hard Lemonade. <laughs> Spike Seltzer. <laughs>
1: that that work. L-
3: let's get four Locos.
1: Dude, oh man, it. those things with with Red Bull. That's drink like... it with
3: Red Bull. Those things, I, I swear, you just black out instantly after finishing one. And and Kanadi, you probably thought you were dead a couple times if you ever had a couple sips. <laughs>
2: Oh, right? four loco is like drinking battery acid or something.
3: Yeah,
1: I've never had four loco, but I've heard about all the dangers of it.
3: Go get one. Go get one tomorrow for the draft and document <laughs> the entire experience. <laughs> like please. shaking and everything People, while I'm, I'm w- typing up out I really article, shake. I just think after you get to a certain point, you just don't remember a damn thing. <laughs> really? Well, as Dolphins fans, we might need that tomorrow night or Thursday night whenever you're listening to this.
1: We'll see. We'll see. The NFL draft is going to be a lot of fun. Any last thoughts, guys, before we wrap up the show?
2: No. Just have fun, everybody. I mean, yeah. it's... We could go so many different directions. It's going to be hilarious what we actually do. And... <laughs> Everybody's going to be pissed off no matter what happens, though.
1: Yeah, no matter what. Everyone's going to be pissed. <laughs>
2: you know, <just> who cares? <laughs> it's yeah, going to be funny, though, if the
1: Dolphins do draft Daniel Jones, right? That's going to oh be God, incredible. Yeah, that
3: <laughs> I-, I will buy his jersey if the Dolphins draft Daniel Jones. Dolphins Twitter <laughs> will be an absolute dumpster fire. Holy I will pre-order Lord, one yeah. of those jerseys. All right. So, so Stick quick, with guys. us
1: throughout draft weekend. We may be coming with, uh, to you with a pod. As we wrap up the draft and give you the breakdown of all the Dolphins selections and what they mean for the future of this team. Lots at stake for Chris Greer, Brian Flores, and the rest of the Dolphins executives and brass. We'll see how they handle it on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. For Joshua Houts and Aaron Sutton, I am Matt Canada. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio. We will talk to you next time.